0: Tone Benders, the Sound Designers Podcast. Let's
1: do this. Welcome to Tone Benders. My name is Renee Coronado and with me today as always, it's Tim Muirhead. Hey Tim. Hey Renee, how you doing? I'm doing
0: great. Today we're going to talk about MS mics for uh, field recording. And the reason that I wanted to talk about this is because a while back I got an MKH 30. So I have the figure-eight microphone, but I've still never committed to buying the proper uh, mid-microphone to go with it. So I've been doing research and humming and hawing and never been able to commit to anything. And then friend of the podcast, Kai Paquin, put out a MS Mic Shootout on his blog and I read it and it was exactly what I was looking for because it has actual samples. He went out and recorded MS with a bunch of different setups and his blog includes samples of some of the stuff he's done. Kai, welcome back to the show. You've been on here before for the uh, um, crowdsource roundtable that we did. Welcome back. Do you want to tell us a bit about this uh, MS shootout that you did and how you set it up?
2: Yeah, of course. Um, probably around the year 2020, uh, I went out and uh, I was trying to decide on a like, day-to-day rig. I refined my thoughts of like, what I wanted in a microphone, and I wanted something that could do point uh, source effects And something that can do ambiences and not have to switch back and forth. So mid-side is a pretty natural fit for that. Both because it can do stereo recording and it can do mono recording with discrete mono. At that point, I was like, okay, so the next thing I want is something that can record some pretty detailed ambiences. And uh, something that can handle, like, high SPL. (laughs) I'm really, like, asking for a lot from one microphone setup. (laughs) I knew for a fact, like, Sennheiser is a pretty well-renowned brand for, like, Doing ambiences for midside. I think uh, George Vlad and uh, Thomas Beverly both run those, and a few other nature recordists like Andy Martin and so forth. Um, they run the Sennheiser setups. I know the Sheps are pretty popular too. Like I know uh, Tim Nilsson runs uh, the Sheps 41 8 combo, and uh, those are really popular. I had previously owned a Neviton's MC59, and uh, word had been going around the internet there was some sort of midside. Setup they're kind of developing, so I was pretty stoked about that. So I got in touch with them and I got a hold of the uh MC59 8, which is their figure eight model, and uh paired that with a 59 and had this uh kind of like unique MS setup. And then I was like, well, I've never heard this and I don't own the Sennheiser and I don't own the Sheps, so I don't really know if this is like up to snuff or like is this really worth uh being my like long-term, the next 20 years, my day-to-day kind of rig. So uh, I kind of hit up a bunch of people I knew around who uh, had these setups and asked if I could borrow their mics for a weekend to kind of put them all side by side and kind of get a sense of like, what are the strengths and weaknesses of all these setups and what kind of fits my needs best. And so I uh, did some stuff around my apartment. I drove out to uh, Joshua Tree, which is one of the more quieter places out in the California desert really pushed uh, some of these microphones to the test as far as like noise floor. It's a little bit haphazard because I kind of threw this together very quickly. I asked a lot of people what they would go about doing, but uh, a lot of the ergonomics of running eight different microphones at the same time is uh, kind of tricky, managing stands, moving in and out of your car, setting up for all these recordings, especially when you're moving around as much as I was. So it's a kind of limited data, data set, but it's a good n- enough that you can kind of get a feel for all the different aspects of these microphones. So from the top, Neviton MC-59-8 and 5.9, uh, which is a normal cardioid with a figure eight. Uh, Sheps MK-41 and eight, that's a hypercardioid capsule with the figure eight. You have the MKH-8050-30, um, which is a hypercardioid again. And then you have the forty thirty, which is a cardioid. So, two different Sennheiser setups. Uh, one with a little bit more reach, but not as much width. Um, and the Sennheiser is with the cardioid, so you can like kind of hear side by side like what that extra reach does for you and how it kind of affects um the stereo width of the recording since there's less to phase cancel off of the uh your center mid mic
1: and for people that are not familiar with the neviton like where are they at on the price point relative to the other mics i know the chefs is easily the most expensive
2: you know i haven't really looked at the prices in a little while but the nevitons at the time were about 1200 I know, like, inflation and tariffs and all that stuff have changed uh, some of that, but I imagine it's pretty close to the Sheps and Sennheiser's for prices. Cool. Also, as an aside, I also own a uh, RMS1A1, which is a classic uh, Neumann mic that's at Midside, and uh, Stickless's um, Mini MS. Yeah, I've got one of those. Oh, yeah, I got one too. We all got them. The Mini MS is a little bit more of a like pocket style mic or uh, it's not a good comparison against a 2500 dollars mic setup. Yes. Still a fantastic mic. <laughs> it's not in the it's not in that tier of heavy hitter midside mics. And the 191, amazing mic. Just also not built for ambiences, it's more for point source effects. So this specific like setup of microphones that I picked out are very specifically kind of all rounder mics um, rather than like niche uh, niche use case kind of mics. Right on. What were your findings from doing this shootout? First of all, I just want to encourage people if they're interested in this test and they like want to come to their own opinions, I'd probably like pause right here, go check out those recordings and make some opinions for yourself before you keep listening. Cause I have definitely a huge bias. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, just for those listening as I said up top Kai did a whole blog post comparing this, and in that blog post is a link to pull down example files so you can A-B them and listen to them. So if you go to paquinsound.blogspot.com, that's P-A-Q-U-I-N sound.blogspot.com, you can find the link to pull down the sounds. Or if you go to tonebenderspodcast.com, you'll find all the links right there, the direct links. Okay, Kai, let's imagine everybody's paused, went and listened. Now let's talk about your opinions on what you found.
2: Because I bought the Nevitons, I was pretty committed to using the Neutons. Funny enough, I've done plenty of blind tests and I've had blind tests to other people. I think a lot of people do like the Nevitons a lot. That said, they have a very distinctive sound. If you like this Sennheiser sound, you'll probably like the Neuton sound. Sheps is a lot more of a bright, kind of vocally focused microphone. And that is great in different circumstances. So, like, if you listen to the recording, some of the stuff with voice, especially at a distance, really cuts a lot better on the Sheps, uh, versus the Sennheisers or Neubatons. To my ear, the Neutons have a little bit more distinction of uh, left from right. Um, when you listen to, like, there's a test of, like, clapping and uh, talking in a canyon. And I feel like you can hear kind of the reflections off the rocks a lot clearer on the Nevitons than the Sennheisers. Uh, the Sheps feel a little flat in that regard. But you hear the like, quality of the voice better on the Sheps. So there's a lot of like, little nuances between these microphones that like, kind of distinguish their characteristics. With everything, it's just down to preference. How long have you
1: owned that, that neviton set?
2: Oh, probably about two or three years now. Yeah, I
1: mean it does take a long time. You got to record with the mic quite a bit before you really really get your head wrapped around any specific mic.
2: Yeah, for sure. And and that's true. Like with all these microphones that I use, I had them for about probably 3 days. So I I recorded with them like religiously for those 3 days. <laughs> <laughs> I've listened to those recordings tons of times, and I can uh, I'm at a point now where I've heard these recordings enough I could pick out which one's which. Without like seeing the file names or something like that, I have a good sense of the characteristics. But Renee, you're totally right. Like you can't really know a mic until you've lived with it for a while.
1: Yeah, I take man probably six months before I really even can form an opinion of a mic that I'm that I'm willing to stand behind. You know, long term.
2: Yeah, and that's unfortunately like with the amount of money behind all these episodes. <laughs> oh, yeah,
1: for sure, yeah. Sometimes you just borrow and check it out, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, you got to do the best you can with the time you have.
1: Um, before you get into the sound any any deeper, um, any other ergonomic notes or, or features with regards to switches, filters, et cetera, that were of importance to you in this particular setup?
2: Yeah, definitely. The Naviton and Sheps have a different size profile compared to the Sennheisers. Um, Sennheiser, the MKH-30 is about probably a foot long, and uh, with the Sheps and Nuitons, the they're probably about like 5-6 to six inches long. So the the choice for your blimp uh, can be considerably different with the Sheps and Nuitons. Other than that, no, not really. The uh, This MKH 8050 is about the same size as the Sheps and Nuiton, give or take an inch. Yeah, it's mostly that MKH 30 mic that kind of limits you for Blimp size. Yeah, because there's no updated version of that, right? There's only
0: the MKH thirty.
2: Yeah, and uh, I think the Sheps also has um, a couple different options that Neutons and the Sennheisers don't have for like connectors. So it gets a little bit of a like advantage in that regard.
1: You went through a calibration process on this. Can you can you talk us through how you did that with regards to setting levels?
2: Before every recording, I played a one kilohertz tone because every mic has a different sensitivity. So um, even if you set all your trim pots on your recorder at different levels, you're gonna get a different input level from all those different microphones. So by playing a one killer tone that I could recalibrate to the same, uh, or approximately the same uh, levels for all the microphones. So for things like ambiences, it wouldn't really be fair to like run them all at like a specific pot gain or trim gain on my recorder and then expect like, the noise floor to be the same for all of them. They're kind of all recording something a little bit different from one another. So one kilohertz tone was, uh, my measurement for that. You played it on the recorder or? No, I played it off basically off my phone. Okay. That's (laughs) fine. So (laughs) all the microphones were really close together. So I could get a relatively same signal coming into all the microphones at the same time. Um, and then in post I could kind of recalibrate everything around those, uh, tones and, uh, like noise sources. If you normalize something, it's going to be kind of unfair. Cause like some things pick up transients harder than others. So that normalization is not going to be equal for all the mics, but uh, with a one K tone, like you can know that you're calibrating to one kilohertz. That being said, like all, all the microphones are going to pick up one kilohertz different. Mm-hmm. The Sennheisers pick up a lot more bass than the Sheps, for instance. It's kind of hard to compare apples to oranges.
1: Yeah. Those Sennheisers always sound big.
2: Yeah, and that's a, that's a thing that you may or may not want. <laughs> <laughs> totally depends what you're doing. Was there any
0: other uh, differences between them that you can kind of vocally explain to us other than kind of the
2: Sennheiser beefiness that they're known for? One of the things that I was looking for a lot, because I, I spend a lot of time uh, recording ambiences out in the desert, and so you're really pushing the limits of your preamps and um, the microphone sensitivity. Because the desert's so quiet. Yeah, the desert's very quiet, so the Sennheisers and the uh, Nevitons have a really low noise floor for that kind of thing. When you're starting to push your preamps and uh, mics that hard, you start hearing some pretty different tonal differences. The Sennheisers have a little bit more of a self-noise that's uh, a little bit more heavy in the mid-range, versus the Nevitons that really push that into the low and high end of the recording. But the actual noise floor of those mics are pretty similar. The Sheps, on the other hand, uh, probably come in at like 10 dB louder as far as like uh, self-noise.
1: Yeah, Sheps are louder.
2: Yeah, they're not good for very delicate airs. But um, I've found in general I like the tonality of them um, in louder environments. Like uh, one of the recordings is in my backyard in uh, Los Angeles, so there's a lot of traffic noise around. of it sounds a lot more pleasant to me it's a toss-up like it depends what you want to do with these mics
0: well the thing with the setup like this and uh, as i mentioned off the top that i've been humming and hawing over what mic to pair with the mkh30 that i have is that it's it's not an insignificant amount of money that you're putting down when you make these decisions so when you hear you know that the Shope's isn't as good for quiet stuff but it sounds really good on louder stuff For the average person, getting both isn't really an option. So that's why I was really excited when I came across this shootout because you actually get to hear it. Uh, And anybody listening, go to the episode page for uh, this episode and there'll be links to both the blog post And uh, from there, you can find the link to uh, download a bunch of different sounds that Kai recorded. And it's really fascinating to listen to all the different uh, versions. And even within the different versions, the differences between the two Sennheiser setups because the throw of the mid is different on the two setups. Uh, Do you want to talk a little bit about the difference between the two Sennheiser setups? Of
2: course. Um, So the 8050 is a uh, hypercardioid, and the uh, MKH40 is a regular cardioid. Hopefully I can explain this cleanly. Uh, with midside, you're basically using phase cancellation to uh, narrow or widen your stereo field. With those lobes on the cardioid, you have more room to work with for phase canceling. Like naturally with a regular cardioid mic, you get a lot less like reach forward than you would with a hypercardioid. To my ears, it sounds like you can get like a better kind of width in your um, ambiences with a cardioid mic. But hypercardioids can get like a little bit more reach and a little bit more like definition at a distance than the MKH-40 or something like that. You should definitely listen and make your own distinctions because I I really don't want to steer anyone towards any one mic.
0: Yeah, of course, this is all personal preference type stuff. There's no right answer to this. All three of the ones that you did the shootout for are in the same general price range. Uh, all these little things start coming into play on how you make your final decision on what you want to get.
2: It's kind of a bummer I wasn't able to shoot out a a Sheps that was like a regular cardioid capsule next to the Neutons, which are also cardioids, so it's kind of, again, it's apples and oranges, because you're comparing like the Neuton against the Sheps, and they're two kind of different MS setups entirely from one another, so it's a little like ham-handed to say like, oh yeah, there's Nevitons sound better because they're not the same. You're not really looking at two comparable things. The 8050 versus the Shepso though is probably the most comparable like comparison or the MKH 4030 versus the Nevitons would be fairly comparable. So like there's a data set there. <laughs> there's something you can glean out of it, but...
0: Neviton are kind of a new to the scene brand. Uh, how do you feel about them?
2: I think they're a lesser known brand. Um, I feel like they're going to... They're getting more popular now, but they're still not like household names like Sheps and uh Sennheiser.
1: Yeah, I've heard them a fair amount in the crowdsource libraries and I've been impressed with what they've been recording.
2: Yeah, they're um usually used for orchestral recordings, and uh they're a pretty great sounding set of mics. Like one of their kind of claims of fame is they they have very low noise floors. They have a kind of nice musical tonality to them that i like quite a bit i don't think they were intended for field recording but uh they're surprisingly good for it <laughs> <laughs> generally really liked the sound of them and i uh, excited to like be uh hearing more and more recordings with them
1: it's actually a similar lineage to the Sheps stuff. I mean, I know, I know those Sheps were initially developed for orchestral recordings as well. You're in the Sennheiser and KH50s and dialogue mics as much as anything.
2: With all field recording, we're all always just repurposing things meant for other things.
1: Yeah. I actually did an entire sound effects library with the Sheps where I had the, the Sheps cardioid with the figure eight, and then I had um, Line Audio CM3 shooting backwards for the rear um, and I did an entire hospital ambiences library with that. And that one turned out really nice too. So yeah, mixing and matching the center channel is definitely a thing. It can be done and you can even go beyond cardioid and hypercardioid. Like I've done multiple MS recordings with an Omni as my center channel. And I've also done stuff with the shotgun as the center channel as well.
2: Yeah. I, I know that, uh, Sheps in particular has their, uh, cement mic and they kind of tote that you can do, uh Mid side with that as well. I've never personally done it, but um I've heard a couple recordings and they sound really nice. I think it's the same thing though, with like you're sacrificing some of your uh stereo width, so like uh those kind of setups aren't really like built for ambiences as much as they're built for like stereo effects.
1: Yeah, those are point source, you know, like a lot of my mentality when even choosing an MS is has been like if I need to record a door. need to aim aim a microphone at, you know, at a thing with the the thing being like on axis. MS kind of gives you the exact same stereo imagery as an XY setup does, but you get to aim a microphone at the thing you're recording instead of aiming two microphones kind of around the thing you're recording.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, in those situations, like I I find MS, because I think MS actually technically decodes exactly to XY if you're using a cardioid.
2: Yeah, that's what I've heard as well. When you start moving into the realm of double midside, then you can start doing a little bit fancier stuff like decoding to ORTF or like a Blumen pair or something like that. But yeah. Yeah. Funny enough, uh, I actually the reason um, I was able to do these two MS setups was I was pairing the Neumann Cardioid with a uh, MKH thirty for a long time. So yeah, the mixing and matching definitely works. I have the one ninety one right, the uh, Neumann if you solo out the center channel versus the uh, side channel, there are two totally different tonally sounding microphones. They just complement each other really well. So I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, mixing and matching, but like I think uh, when you're talking about like noise floor and stuff like that, or like, uh, t- like blended tonalities and stuff like that, a lot of these are mics are kind of developed for, to work with another mic. Yep. So just like out of the box, you're, Probably safer picking out something like in the Sennheiser family with a Sennheiser mic or something like that. But I honestly, I don't see any problem with mixing like Sheps and Sennheiser if that's something that works for you or if that's what you have on hand.
1: I do that kind of craziness constantly. <laughs> I'm always throwing up random microphones.
0: If anybody wants to hear an example of the MKH 30 with a 416 as the center, uh, way back in the day in episode 49.5 it's our only 0.5 episode I think we've ever done uh, <laughs> I did a walk in the woods with that setup when I uh, first got those two mics and uh, kind of walked around the mic a little bit and uh, you can hear what that sounds like the so that was a 416 in the middle do being the mid for uh, MKH 30 it's not Fantastic, But it's cool. It worked. It got the job done. I've used it on some, as Renee was saying, some uh, point source type sounds for, as an MS setup. But uh, it doesn't sing in my ears for some reason. It's just... It's
1: too grabby. 416 is a very grabby mic. It reaches out and gets you by the neck. <laughs> so, like, Tim, as you're... You know, so your figure eight is your MKH-30. What are the things that are important to you in the rig? Like, what are, what are the things that kind of would... What are the values that would steer you in one direction or the other?
0: A, I can't make a decision. That's the problem. I cannot be steered <laughs> at this point because I've now had the m k h thirty for like maybe two and a half years and haven't committed to getting another mic. Now, part of that is cost, as I mentioned earlier, like these aren't cheap mics. And especially the the m k h forty isn't up used very often. like when i when I search around, I'm not seeing it up there a lot. But uh, also, the the other thing is that I will also have to get a whole new blimp for this setup. Uh, I can fit uh, the MKH-30 and 416 in a road blimp. Yep. It's one of the original road blimps, and I don't have the clips anymore that will fit uh, one of the MKH-40 slash 50s. So it's going to require... A lot of money, and uh, I have to figure out why I'm going to be spending that money. And the answer is mostly, in my current situation, I don't record a lot of ambiences. I'm mostly recording spot effects. Mm -hmm. I'm leaning towards 50, but 40 seems like it might be a little more versatile, and uh, that's why I was really excited to pull down the stuff that Kai recorded and uh, go through it and kind of see if it can tip the scales either way. But right now, I'm trying to decide between the 40 and 50. And maybe in two years, I will still be
2: trying to decide between the 40 and
0: 50.
2: <laughs> I'm not sure if you got... You probably did check this out. But in my blog, I did a, a spectral analysis of recording at 192 with these mics. Yeah. And the one thing that uh, the 8050 had over the edge of the uh, MKH-40... Was uh, the frequency range of the um, eighty fifty goes up to about like seventy thousand hertz or something like that?
1: Oh yeah, look
2: at that! In rare cases, sometimes it even goes up like to the full bandwidth, um, and that kind of beat out most of the different MS setups. And obviously, like I sh- I used a Sanken c one hundred in that recording set, so you can kind of see like how it compares against like a microphone built for that kind of stuff. Yeah. The 8050, uh, I think, was the most consistently high-qualified uh, mic for high-frequency recording. The Neutrons actually did really well, and I was uh, kind of shocked by that. But yeah, overall, like that gave a little bit more edge over the 40. That being said, I don't know what the the uh, 8040 does, and I, I've never gotten to test that out. So it might have the same kind of thing going on.
1: Yeah, the Sennheiser 8050, 8040 series are specifically built like the Sankin to be extended frequency response. So, not surprising.
2: Hands down, the thing to do is just listen to these recordings and uh, if, see if they're useful. <laughs> really, uh, I think you can learn so much more from just like listening than uh, you can from me describing what my opinions are about them. But For sure. Cool, thanks, Kai. Appreciate it, man. This is really awesome. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me.
0: Tonebenders is produced by Timothy Muirhead, Renee Coronado, and Teresa Morrow. Theme music is by Mark Strait. Send your emails to info at Follow us on Twitter via at the Tonebenders and join Tonebenders Podcast on Facebook. Support this podcast. You can use our links when you shop at Amazon or B&H, or leave us a tip. Just go to tonebenderspodcast.com and click the support button. Thanks for listening. Are you looking for more audio-related podcasts to listen to? Tonebenders is part of the Audio Podcast Alliance, featuring a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. Be sure to hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.